As physicians, we are intelligent, hardworking, and interested in helping improve people's lives. These skills may translate into other careers besides medicine. Join me today as we talk to a well-known psychiatrist who has an interesting other life. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Neil Berliner. Dr. Berliner is a psychiatrist in private practice in New York City. He is a key opinion leader and pharmaceutical trainer and speaks both nationally and internationally on a regular basis. Dr. Berliner is also the author of a new book for pharmaceutical representatives entitled A Franchise of One, Strategies for Pharmaceutical Sales. But Dr. Berliner also enjoys another career as a nationally acclaimed comedy writer, which we will be discussing in this segment. Welcome, Neil. Hi, Leslie. <laughs> Happy to be here. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks so much for coming on the show to, to talk about your other career. Uh, how did you get started writing comedy, Neil? Well, for starters, I was always kind of sarcastic as a kid. And my dad's a very funny guy, so he influenced me a lot. He used to do uh, all kinds of foreign accents and dialects and tell jokes. So maybe it's partly genetic. Mm. I'm from New York. And, uh, oh, I, I hadn't hang- noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's a comedian. <laughs> That's right. I started uh, hanging around all the, you know, the comedy clubs like the Comic Strip and Dangerfield in the late 70s. And uh, I actually got to see people like Jerry Seinfeld, Richard Lewis, and Larry David and Larry Miller in the early 20s, as well as a lot of people who never made it. And I started uh, learning from these people, watching them. And then I would start punching up their material in my mind, and eventually I started uh, writing my own material. So what were some of your early experiences writing comedy? Well, I wrote some uh, one-liners for Rodney Dangerfield when I was about 17 years old. I had typed up a bunch of index cards and, you know, made them all perfect. And I wrote some lines that all began with his famous, uh, I get no respect at all. And I dropped them off at his club in the city. About a week later, I came back and some guy at the club gave me a note from Rodney. So I was very happy. And, uh, I opened it up, and it said, uh, sorry, Neil, but I write most of my own material. So uh, that was my first rejection in the comedy field. But about a year or two, oh, actually about a year or two later, I came up with an idea for a viewer mail segment for the David Letterman show. And I knew a guy working on the show. And back then, when he was on NBC then, they always did the viewer mail on Thursday night. And it was near Thanksgiving time, so I asked my friend if he could get the letter to you know, the show and put it on, on, on Thanksgiving night. So I could surprise my family with it. So on Thanksgiving night, I made everybody hang around to watch the Letterman show. They couldn't figure out why. (laughs) And it wound up being on the show that night. Tell us a little about comedy. Now, Jerry Seinfeld, you mentioned him. He's described four levels of comedy. What are those? Well, yeah. You know how a lot of people think they're funny, but they're not really funny to anyone but themselves? Well, Seinfeld came up with this list of criteria he called them the four levels of comedy, I believe, in, in an interview a while back. The first level is the ability to make friends and family members laugh. So if you're the kind of person who could, you know, make your little brother spit the milk out at the <laughs> dinner table, then, you know, then you're a level one. And the next level is the ability to make strangers laugh. So if you're the kind of person who goes to a party and can make people you never met before laugh, then you're a level two. Level three is getting paid to make people laugh. So that's, you know, that's the distinction. And level four is having other comedians actually do impressions of you. So that's the highest level. So he's obviously reached all four. Yes, he has, Leslie. <laughs> so where are you? 
Well, I don't know. I mean, given the way some people react to my material, I, I might be like a negative two or something. A negative two? So you make people cry? The opposite of laughter is not crying all the time. It's just silence. I think the evidence suggests that you're probably about a level three. Yeah, I'm a level three. You know, I've established myself now as somebody who can actually get gigs and get paid to write material. So get paid? Yeah, yeah. Unlike psychiatry. <laughs> yeah. So you don't have to get paid from insurance companies? People actually give you real checks? Well, I decided, you know, it's funny to say that, actually. It's right sitting right on my desk here are two Xeroxes of two checks. One is a one, it, this is very true, one is a $1 check from an insurance company made out to, you know, Neil Berliner, MD, and the other is a $1,000 check made out to Neil Berliner from a comedian. So I'm going to have them framed and put them up in my, uh, in my office here. So you're a thousand times more valuable as a comedian. <sighs> yeah, I guess. Isn't that a sad commentary on medicine? Yeah, well, it's a good thing you have the side job, huh? Those $1 checks. My side job is medicine. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, right. It sounds like a volunteer job. Yes. <laughs> so has being a psychiatrist helped you with your comedy writing? Or, or I guess the opposite. Well, has being well, actually, a... <laughs> this is the most common question I get. As, in fact, last week I was at the Letterman Show backstage when Adam Sandler was on. Did you see him by any chance? He was promoting the new movie uh, Chuck and Larry. So I was backstage that day, and I was talking to him. And he asked me, he said, you know, does being a psychiatrist help you, you know, with your writing? So I guess it does to some extent. I guess I was a funny person before I became, I didn't become funny after becoming a psychiatrist. But I guess, you know, learning about it, people's relationships and situations can, you know, obviously will help you. Does being a comedy writer help you as a psychiatrist? I think it does. Because, well, first of all, some of my patients know about it. And they are into it a bit, you know, they... They're happy that their doctor's doing something like that and makes them show up at appointments, maybe. Yeah, but I think if you use humor in your practice, particularly when you're doing psychotherapy, I think it can help the process along. So who are some of your favorite comedians? Okay, well, comparing comedians is like comparing athletes of different eras. You know, you're not supposed to compare, like, Willie Mays to Barry Bonds, let's say, because they played in different eras. So I divided my favorite comedians into three different groups. The groups are when I was growing up, teens to 20s, and then recently. So growing up, uh, my big influences were people like Johnny Carson, Don Rickles, Dick Sean. Ever hear of him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a guy who died on stage. You know, he did a lot of physical comedy, and he had a heart attack on stage, actually. And people left him lying there for 20 minutes thinking it was part of the act. <gasps> oh, no. But he actually died that way. He was a big influence of mine. And also, looking back now, Nipsey Russell was a big influence of mine. And he was a guy who did the game shows, and he would do all those, he would do rhymes about comedians. Mm -hmm. And I realized later on that it actually, you know, being a fan of his actually helped me out a lot later on, because my first major client is a woman known as Fruity Nutcake the Rapping Granny, who's an elderly woman <laughs> who does rap. And... The lines I write for her are the same, you know, structurally the same as the stuff that Nipsey Russell used to do. Mm -hmm. So they were my really early influences. And later on, like into my teens and 20s during med school, I really got into people like Jackie Mason, who I, I know now. And Robert Klein was a big influence. And obviously Jerry Seinfeld, you know, because I saw him very early on. In the recent category, I would put Chris Rock, Howie Mandel, and Howard Stern up there as, as my personal favorites. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. 
I am Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is Dr. Neil Berliner, psychiatrist and nationally acclaimed comedy writer. Neil, you've recently had an embarrassing moment with a famous comedian. Could you tell oh, us yeah. about that one? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, about nine months ago, I was at the world premiere of a movie called Beer League, and uh, sitting right behind me were Colin Quinn and Howard Stern and Nick DiPaolo. So I'm a big fan of Colin Quinn. I'm a fan of all those guys. But Colin Quinn has a show called Rough Crowd with Colin Quinn. So I figured it would be a good opportunity for me to meet him, introduce myself, tell him what I've done, and try to write for his show. So I told him that I was a big fan of the show and I'd like to write for him. And all of a sudden, he's, he's leering at me, doesn't say anything, and finally says to me, dude, that show was canceled two years ago. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I sank into my chair and I just watched the movie. <laughs> Have you ever done stand-up yourself? Well, actually, I haven't done any stand-up. And now I'm at the point where I'm at a fairly high level in the writing end of it. So I would need to start at the bottom in stand-up. And as you know, I do speaking programs for drug companies, so I'm already traveling a bit with that. It wouldn't really be practical for me to start at the bottom of stand-up. Now, although I'm basically a ham, so maybe I'll try some of those uh, open mic nights or something. Now, when you do your drug company lectures, do you use your comedy in those? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I always try to open up with a line. I try to open up with a line about the city. I'm in. If we're speaking in a good restaurant, I'll give you one of my secret lines. You can use it now. <laughs> if I'm speaking in a nice restaurant, which, you know, it's usually going to be a nice restaurant, I'll say, oh, it's great seeing you all here tonight. But um, where were you last week when I was at the Red Lobster? I don't see. <laughs> None of you look familiar to me. You know? <laughs> You'd mentioned Howard Stern. Have you been involved with his show? I had been writing for uh, Rap and Granny for a while. And one day in 1999, I got a call from Casey Armstrong and anybody who knows the Howard Stern show, would know who KC is. He said, you know, they wanted us on the show. They wanted Rap and Granny to be on the show. So she did really well on her first appearance. And uh, now she's done a total of about 15 appearances on the Stern show. And she's a member of the so-called WAC Pack. So I gradually got to know, any, you know everybody on the show. Do you want to hear a few Rap and Granny lines, by the way? I can't say that I've heard of Rap and Granny. Okay, Rap and Granny is this old white woman from Queens. And she, when I met her, she was 75 years old, and she was playing in clubs in Manhattan. She's been on many, many shows, actually. She was on MTV. She was on the Jon Stewart show. She's been on The View. She's been on Up All Night with Gilbert Gottfried. So she's been around. You probably, if you saw her, you'd probably recognize her. Her biggest exposure, though, has been with the Howard Stern show for the past several years. So can you give us one of her lines? I'll give you some of the ones that became pretty, pretty popular. One of them is, when Bill Gates plays in my front yard, his Microsoft gets big and hard. Uh, one, another one is, uh, I go all night, I love to scream, believe me, I'm your grandpa's dream. <laughs> and a third one, every, every year we go on for her birthday at the, at the Stern Show, so this is her birthday one that she repeats every year. I'm 84, but still hot to handle. Get that out of my face. That's no birthday candle. <laughs> Now, you wrote a stand-up gig for Artie Lang um, performing at the Playboy Mansion. Tell us some lines from that. Okay, yeah, you know, Artie Lang, uh, he's a great comedian. He's, he's kind of heavy now, so I included his weight, you know, in those lines. And I focus mostly on Hugh Hefner and his three girlfriends. So uh, let me give you a couple lines from that. One of them is, this is the first time I've been in a room with this many half-naked broads without one of them ringing up my credit card. <laughs> And uh, 
I can't believe I'm seeing Playmates in person. You're nothing like in Playboy magazine. No staples, no folds, and you're not all stuck to yourselves. <laughs> About the three girlfriends, Artie said, uh, I'm actually here casting for my next movie. I'd like to start with the three best actresses in America, Holly, Bridget, and Kendra. No. And then a follow-up line is, yeah, the three girlfriends have a system for which one of them is going to have sex that night. The other two play Scrabble with Hef until he falls asleep, and then the other one getting laid just sneaks out of the mansion. <laughs> thanks so much for being on the show, Neil. Uh, thank you. So thanks to Neil Berliner, psychiatrist and comedy writer. We've been discussing, I guess, what is his first job when he moonlights as a psychiatrist as his second job. I'm Dr. Leslie Lent. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to visiting with you again soon.